Hello everyone, we are on episode 8 of Deanna's Writing Desk and there is no jingle today, <laughs> there is no ear piercing music or sound at the beginning of this episode um, because it was rightly pointed out to me that the other one is a little bit ear splitting. I don't mind it personally, it kind of wakes me up. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I can find something better, but I have not had time to do it just yet. If you have a sound, if you have a jingle, if you have something that you can send to me that's about five seconds long that I can stick at the beginning of this track and that is free for me to use for commercial purposes, then please do send it my way. I would be very glad to have your help on that. At the moment, I have not got time to look for an alternative sound, but I do think that these podcast episodes need something at the beginning. It sounds a little bit odd just to kind of go straight into it without some kind of introduction noise. So yes, send it my way if you know of anything. Thank you so much. I have an awful lot to update you on today, especially if you are somebody who is not so much on social media, you're not checking out my Facebook or anything like that, then you may not uh, be up to date with kind of like the latest news and so on and that's one of the reasons I want to do these podcasts and one of the reasons I switched them to bi-weekly as well is so that I would have information to give you and there is such a lot going on at the moment. So the Witching Pen series is the paperbacks are now available to pre-order. The links are, you can find them. If you go onto Amazon and you type in The Witching Pen and my name, you will find those paperbacks for pre-order, but the system has not linked them to my Kindle editions yet. And I don't know when that will happen. It happens in its own time. I have no control over that at all. But all four paperbacks are there. The Sands of Time does not have um, a cover image. That is not my fault. That's part of their data feed it hasn't brought the image in but obviously it will have the image eventually but all four of those books are there for you to pre-order from Amazon so you can go ahead and do that you may also find them on Waterstones I haven't looked on the Waterstones website yet what you can find on the Waterstones website is the Eye of the Storm series all of which are available to pre-order. I don't quite know how the Waterstones website does it. They don't seem to have a pre-order label for those books. Uh, What they do is they put it up there and they just basically say, oh, we can get it from the publisher in four to five weeks and they give you um, the option to buy it. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that's how it works. I don't know if it's like that um, with all the websites and the accounts. Um, So maybe go and have a look if you're interested and see. Um, But all of these books are due to be released on the 19th of February and yes they're all running on time because they're all written already (laughs) so it's a case of me creating the files and just getting it out there you know making sure the proofs are good and all of that kind of stuff it is a bit of a mammoth task it is because altogether that's six books in the Eye of the Storm series four books in the Witching Pen series that's 10 books that I am essentially you know sorting out to get ready on time and I have to allow that extra time for delivery of my proof copies and so on. Um, I am uploading this to various uh, places so 
I want these paperbacks to be available as far and wide as possible. So come February, you should be able to order these in, purchase these from lots of different places. I am over the moon to be able to do this finally because it has been a long time coming. I had these books up online back when Create Space was a thing, when it was in existence. And really, that is how I was bringing out all of my print books. And then Create Space closed down and Amazon, I think, bought them out or took them over or whatever it was. And everything was kind of like transferred over to Amazon. And there wasn't a lot of other options at that time. I think Lightning Source was an option. And I did look at Lightning Source, but it all seemed a little bit complicated at that time. And I think Ingram Spark hadn't quite emerged yet as an entity, as a, as a platform where you can properly upload books and stuff, or it was very, very clunky at that time. So I sort of didn't go anywhere with my paperbacks. I didn't go further than what I already had out at the time. And if you've been on my social media platforms or, you know, you've been listening to me kind of talking about my books over the past few months, I have redone a lot of my paperbacks now and I'm going to be continuing to redo a small handful of them further not the ones that are already coming out now they're done um but the some of the standalones that that need redoing like um till death do us part is a really lovely lovely little story um it's a retelling of the little mermaid for adults um but there's a lot in that little book actually there's a lot in that story it was deliberately written to be the same length as the original Hans Christian Andersen story. Um, so I'd like to bring out a new edition of that because the only one on there has been out, it, it's been that one since 2011 and it really does need updating. So there's going to be a new dish, a new edition of that little book coming out. It'll be a, a pocketbook edition, but it is going to also have a kind of author's um, note at the back. I'm going to add an annotation where I literally talk about writing that book and my thoughts behind why I wrote it the way that I wrote it. And I'm going to put some pointers in there as well for reading group discussions and so on, because I think there's a lot there. And I think it's a really good book to use for that kind of thing as well, because it's not too long. So it's perfect for like a two hour long reading group. It's or even less than that, actually, if only meet up for an hour or so. Uh, there's a lot in there. And yeah, it's it, I think it's a really good read. So that's what I intend to do with that book. And I've got a couple of other books as well that, you know, eventually over the course of 2024 you are going to see my books kind of like shift around a little bit and hopefully become much more available to all platforms and for all shops to be able to order them in as well that's the paperbacks okay so that is my major update for this particular podcast episode is that you can go online and pre-order the Witching Pen series. You can do that from Amazon um, and you can pre-order the Eye of the Storm series as well. That is probably easier to do from somewhere like Waterstones. I think they are on Amazon, but the first book, Releasing the Wolf, for some reason, they haven't fed it through properly and it doesn't have a pre-order facility, a pre-order button on there 
which is a bit annoying because it's the first book of the series and it's like well why are you going to pre-order the others if you don't pre-order the first book so you may want to hold off on that one just for a little bit longer you can also if you want to pre-order them from me I will take pre-orders if you whiz me an email and you know just just say where you live I can get you an invoice sorted so you can see how much it would cost for me to get the book sorted out for you and send them to your particular area and so on obviously you are not going to get them until after the 19th of February okay that's the release date the 19th of February and anything to be posted will be posted out on those dates and at the moment though I cannot guarantee that I can sign them for you okay Um, I can send out unsigned copies to you um, so that you're ensured that it comes from me um, and therefore the print quality is going to be good and you're ordering from the right place you know so you have that kind of assurance but at the moment because I'm not completely clear on deadlines and so on I cannot promise that um, I will be signing those particular copies. Right let's go straight into the rest of this podcast episode. I said I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome <laughs> and the reason I want to talk about this is it came up quite a lot recently for some bizarre reason. Um, it came up a lot about a few weeks ago when I was talking to uh, various people and the same kind of theme came up in conversation and it kind of revolved a little bit around imposter syndrome and I thought I'd bring it up into this episode just because I also uh, about three weeks ago four weeks ago or so went to visit Cambridge. Cambridge in England is one of the kind of top academic regions really you've got Cambridge University in Cambridge and that's worldwide famous the same way that Yale is in America or Harvard for example it's on you know certainly in the same kind of league as those so you've got Cambridge University and you've got Oxford University they're the two most well known and it's not just a case of them being universities and you know a a town that you're a city that you go to so that you can go to that particular university when you go to Cambridge and you walk around almost every single building is historic dates back hundreds of years and almost all of them is affiliated or owned by the university in some way or another it's quite an interesting experience to walk around Cambridge itself and see these buildings not all of them are brick either a lot of them are made with the kind of um brown brick or brown stone similar to what you can find further north and I think sometimes in like Edinburgh as well you have that colour where the buildings are are that kind of sandy brown colour and it's really beautiful it's really quite nice but I'll tell you what walking around Cambridge you really do get a sense of what an academic institution it was and still is there is an air of whether it's real or not you know it could be perceived it could be an illusion but there is an air of intelligence like academic intelligence when you know you're kind of like walking past all these buildings and walking into the grounds of a lot of the colleges and the campuses because you can do that you can walk into the grounds and actually look around as long as you're not disturbing people you know working and so on it's quite an interesting experience and I have to say that it, it 
it was I wasn't expecting the kind of feeling of slight inadequacy creep upon me as I was kind of like walking around all these places and seeing these buildings and um, I walked into the Cambridge University Press shop which is literally the oldest uh, bookseller in England, I think, uh, dating back to around the 1500s or something. It's been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in that same spot. Um, and this is, I think, I think I've got this right. Um, I'll double check in my notes <laughs> that I've written down. I don't have in front of me. I think called Cambridge University Press. Um, and it is literally, they are a publisher of, you know, academia and so on but also in that particular spot where the bookshop is that particular bookshop's been there for centuries absolutely centuries and I believe it is the oldest bookshop in England so there's quite an interesting feel when you're walking around that kind of place. Imposter syndrome is a very weird thing. I mean, let, let's talk about it. What is it? It's essentially the feeling of inadequacy, that you are perhaps not as qualified enough or not as experienced enough to be in the specialist field that you are in, whatever that field might be. If you have been employed by somebody, you can still feel that way. If you're self-employed, you can feel that way. And often it's an illusion because obviously if you've been employed by somebody, you have been employed for a reason. You've been employed because you are right for that position. And if you are self-employed, especially successfully so, then you have studied and researched and worked those ropes to get to where you are. And you know, often, you know, most self-employed people I know, know their field inside out because they have to um, in order to be able to move around in it in the way that they do. So this idea of imposter syndrome is, I think, most of the time an illusion. And yet we still feel it. We still feel those feelings of inadequacy and like we doubt ourselves and we feel we're not good enough to be doing X, Y, Z. And I do hear it a lot from writers and I do hear it a lot from artists as well. The feeling that, oh, you know, they're not properly qualified so they shouldn't be doing this I mean obviously if you're a self-published author then maybe that feeling for some is more so than other types of authors who might have been published by a traditional publisher because you have that validation then don't you some people need that validation to have you know a kind of commercial or traditional entity say yes we like your work we want to put it out there for you and some people don't some people don't want that at all so it really does depend on who you are but I do hear that term imposter syndrome kind of thrown around a lot in the independent publishing and independent authors kind of like community and yeah I felt it creep up on me as I was walking around Cambridge it, it did feel a little bit daunting like walking around all these institutions that were just kind of like they had this air of history around them they'd been there for centuries and you know for centuries people have been going into these buildings specifically to study and to learn and for education and, and not for any other reason other than that and it re you really feel that I can't say it any other way you really feel that when you're walking around one of the ways I think is best to battle imposter syndrome is literally just to keep yourself busy honestly don't dwell on it do not dwell on it let it kind of wash over you let it pass and just get on with what you're doing because you know 
why wouldn't you? Because you're doing what you're doing because you love it, right? Because you want to be there. So get on with it and do it. I think feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, Every single person, even someone who is qualified, if we want to use that word, you know, in inverted commas, even people who are qualified to be in whatever industry, um, find things that they don't know how to do. They come across things they've never heard of before. They have to learn ropes themselves. So nobody here is more of an imposter than the other, if you get my drift. Not a great word, is it? Imposter. It suggests that you're there by trickery or something which you know <laughs> isn't the case here that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about imposter syndrome so I don't quite know why it's got that word ultimately you are capable of doing what it is that you're doing you're capable of doing it because you want to be there so that is what you've got to go on and that is what you've got to just keep pushing yourself through like I said just let the feeling wash over you it's not a feeling I usually have although I have had it absolutely but it's not something I usually have it's not something I usually usually dwell on and I think partly the reason is like I said I keep myself busy I'm you know almost always doing something you know whether it's writing whether it's book designing whether it's planning the next couple of months for my work whether it's xyz I'm always doing something so I don't have time to think about whether I'm good enough to do the thing I'm doing I'm just doing it (laughs) if you see what I mean and that is really the attitude that you've got to have um if you start to feel that imposter syndrome come up on you, you've just, you you kind of got to do it anyway and be re- really realistic with yourself as well because you are inevitably going to come across uh, blockades on your path and things that either you cannot do because the timing's not right or the situation just isn't there for you to be able to do it or you're going to decide you cannot do it or you don't want to do it, at least not yet. And it's okay, you know, that's okay to reach that point and go, you know, actually, I don't feel like I'm ready for this. So I'm going to pull away for a bit and take some time and learn how to do it properly and then come back around. I mean, that's not being an imposter or that's not having imposter syndrome. That's basically seeing things for what they are, being really honest with yourself and making a decision. That's just good business sense. So most of the time, what you think might be imposter syndrome is actually just good business sense. There is absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, being realistic and saying, yeah, you know, this isn't for me right now. I've had to do that before. Sometimes it's not a nice feeling, especially if you have the vision of where you want to go, but actually you just realise you can't quite get there in that way. It is frustrating and it does make you feel like a bit of a failure and so on and so on. But they're just feelings. That's all they are. You know, just push them away and get on with the, try and tap into the logic a little bit more, um, into the higher mind a little bit more and you know yeah you know nurture your feelings acknowledge them you know make sure that you're giving them some credence here but move on (laughs) move on and carry on to the next part of your your business or your work or your phase Um, and don't give yourself a hard time over it that's really important don't give yourself a hard time over making the decisions that you need to make that's okay you know it's okay to say no it's okay to say I can't do that right now you know none of that is a bad thing but know that it's also not a final thing you know you're going to learn and you're going to come back around and then you're going to do it again so you know yeah <laughs>
So yeah, imposter syndrome, it's a funny thing. I mean, you know, share your thoughts with me. Is it something you feel often? Is it something that you've had? How did you get past it? How do you get through it? Um, yeah, give us any tips that you've got. I mean, my, my personal tip is just to plow on through. That tends to be what I do. Like I said, I'm someone who... It's very difficult for me to not be busy in some ways. Um, I really appreciate it when I'm not sometimes, <laughs> but it's really, it's my mind is usually very active. I'm a very creative person. So if I'm not writing, I have to be designing or I have to be painting or I have to be making something. I have to be doing or making something um, in order to keep that you know that creativity and that energy and that that feeling that I have that vision alive whatever it might be and that kind of busyness just doesn't lend itself to imposter syndrome I just don't have time for that you know if I dwelled on imposter syndrome I would just never do any all of the things I wanted to do it just wouldn't happen so I don't let it happen I don't let myself go there if that makes any sense so that is my tip is just you know tap into what it is you want to do that vision and that passion and then just go for it and don't let anything kind of get in your way but don't be afraid of being realistic with yourself when you come up against barriers and go hmm okay maybe actually I'm gonna have to say no to this right now that's okay you <laughs> know like I said um yeah let me know what you think I'd be really interested to hear and I'm going to leave this episode there. Thank you very much if you listened this far. And yeah, like I said, if you've got a really good jingle I can use, please drop that my way. I would be really happy to have somebody else do that for me. <laughs> and I will catch you in a couple of weeks. I haven't decided yet what the topic will be, but it will be on my website as soon as I do decide what I'm going to talk about next week. Have a lovely one. If you are in the United Kingdom, try not to get too wet with this constant rain we've been having and I shall see you soon. Bye bye.